Well, I've, I've been hearing Pastor John this and Pastor John that, but I have to be honest with you. <clears throat> Everything you've seen on the videos has to do with because of a helpmate called Lena Gay. <laughs> Gay, would you come? And Sharon, would you come with her? Would both you ladies come and find your way over here? I, as they're coming, let me just share this with you, that what a phenomenal trip it's been these 40 years of seeking God. And I'm going to, only going to speak a short time uh, with you using two scriptures that would encapsulate, come on around here, that would really encapsulate what 40 years means to us scripturally. And I'll be using these two scriptures that I trust will take us on to the next 40 years because they're principles that will never, ever wear out and never die. But all these different videos that you've seen, Sharon and, uh, has been my secretary for how many years? Uh, 15. 15 years. And has... And still. And still. But as I would always say, okay, I've heard God, and then I would say, Sharon, would you take care of that? <laughs> so the truth is, uh, Pastor John's name's been used a lot, but it should be uh, Sharon, and it should be Lena Gay. So I just want to recognize these two wonderful ladies, and you need, yeah, go ahead and thank them. <laughs> Praise God. I really have never needed an elder to critique me, even though Red and Ed have done a great job uh, <laughs> challenging me on different occasions. No, just a second. But uh, the one that critiques me the most is my wife. I hear whether it was an A, B, or C going home. Hopefully it was never a D and an F, and occasionally it was. <laughs> and there were several trips home where you think anybody will come next week. <laughs> But bless her heart, she's been faithful. I'm going to have her open with prayer and ask God to bless the word today. Well, Lord, we just thank you so much for this opportunity just to get to lift you up and acknowledge you as our, our Lord and Savior who has always been um, in the forefront of everything that we've accomplished. So, Lord, we thank you for bringing us this far, and we're excited about the future, Lord. We do see great things that you have in mind. So we praise you for that. We just thank you for all of the leaders that we've had all these years and the people that have been faithful and coming and supporting. So we praise you for today, and we thank you uh, for all that's been taking place in the past, but we are thanking you right now for what you're going to do for the future. So bless this church and everybody in it and all the leaders. We thank you for each one. And again, we just thank, thank you for Sharon and, and all the um, Years that she's been committed to us, we just pray blessings upon her also. So we thank you and praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Would all of the mommies and dads that have babies in their arms stand up with your babies? Are all the babies gone? One over here, one here. There was a time at Christ Center, and remain standing, there was a time at Christ Center when Red and Ed and Doug and myself got together and we said, you know what we're lacking? We're, we're lacking children, and we need to see babies. And we asked God to start bringing us babies. And when I 
walked in today, I looked around, I go, how faithful God is. He's still bringing us babies. And I want you to just simply, if you would just lift those babies up just a little bit, put your hands out to them. God, I pray your blessing upon these precious children. God, that you're going to bless them. You're going to nurture them, give them good health and fill them with your spirit that they will be here or in other houses of the Lord as they grow up working for your kingdom. And we will praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a great story. I'm going to use two scriptures. One's out of 2 Kings 3.15. It has to do with the Moabites. And they were every year giving 100,000 lambs to Israel. And out of the 100,000 adult sheep, they were taking all the wool and giving it to Israel. And then the king decided that enough's enough. There There were issues with Israel. And so he rebelled against Israel, and that meant probably war was going to be coming. Israel was not big enough to defeat the Moabites by themselves. So the king of Israel went and he got help from two other kings. And the reason I'm not going into all the story, basically you all know the story, but I want to get to the root of what Christ Center is about. I want to show you the heart of where Christ Center really hung their hat Because this is a scripture that I used over and over and over and over again and use it to continue to this day. So in 2 Kings 3, starting in 15, the three kings said, what we will do is that we will attack the Moabs from behind instead of in front. In front was the thoroughfare If you're going to travel with this vast army, it's the quickest way to get to the the Moabites. But we decided, they said, they're going to expect us if we come down the main gate. So what let's do, let's, let's circle around for seven days. Instead of getting there in three days, let's go seven days and circle around. And we'll attack them from the back end and they won't expect us. And that's how we'll be victorious. They did that on their own, by the way. They did not ask the Lord. And so as they were getting out close to three and a half days, they got to the place of no return, and they ran out of water. And so they're they're going to die if they go forth, and they're going to die if they come back because they have no water. And so they said, is there a prophet in our midst? And one of the kings said, well, there's a a young man that used to help Elijah. He was his, he carried his bags, he brought him his food, he did whatever he wanted, his name was Elijah. So they said, go get him, because maybe he will be able to hear from the Lord. And so they went, and they got the young man, and they said, do you, are you a prophet? And he said, yes, I'm a prophet, I hear from the Lord. He says, well, they said, well then can you help us, because We don't know what to do. We're out of water. What would God tell us to do? And as you'll read on the scripture, then I'll read it with you. But now, bring me a harpist, the the young man said. Bring me a harp. And while the harpist was, was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha, and he said, this is what the Lord says. I will fill this valley with pools of water, for this is what the Lord says. You will see neither rain or wind nor rain, yet this valley will be 
filled with water, and you and your cattle and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. So they, they heard it. They look at each other. They're in a desolate land. And the King James Version says, and they took shovels and they went out and they dug ditches. All that afternoon, dug ditches. And they went to bed that night without water. And the next morning, they were amazed to see water coming over the ground, filling all the ditches. So it came to a place where all the animals and all the horses and all the people satisfied themselves with water and then we had the strength to go on and attack the Moabites and win the war. One thing about this that God spoke to me in the beginning of Christ Center. I would walk into this facility that God specifically said, you're to buy. I'm going to house a church here. I never spent one day in Bible college. I was born and raised in the, the privilege of a godly home that taught me the values of Jesus. And I had my Bible teaching from great teachers, Sunday school teachers. Uh, one of them's here today. I want to have her stand. Audrey Brock, would you stand, please? Let's honor Audrey. <clears throat> Audrey and Don Brock have been family friends for forever. I was born and raised kind of along with the Brock family. We have, have had a great relationship, and it's an honor to see you here uh, today, Aud uh, Audrey. Audrey is Mark's mother, and so what a, what a wonderful treat to have you here. But as I heard the Lord say, I want you to house a church here. I said, God, what am I going to do? So I went to Noel Campbell, one of my dear elders, who, by the way, just went home a few months ago to be with the Lord. And Noel says, John, there's a scripture I want you to read, and I never want you to forget it. And that is in 2 Kings 3.2, it says that they dug ditches and God filled the ditches. Instead of you taking a shovel and digging in the sand, you trust God by prayer. Your shovel's prayer. And you start digging in prayer and God will fill up the ditches that you're praying for. What are you praying for, John? I said, well, I'm just praying that I'll be, I'll be able to honor God and and." not do something that's going to be against his kingdom. He says, well, then you pray. So I would pray. I'd come in this building. And remember, at that time, we had about nine people, nine leaders. I'd come in a building at night like this, and I would stand out there, and I'd say, God! And if you stand out there at night, try it someday. It goes, God, God. All by yourself. God, God, God. I said, what am I doing? And I heard Noel over and over again say, dig the ditches even though you don't see the cloud, even though you don't feel the wind in your face. You dig the ditches in prayer. I will come even though you don't see. Now I will fill the ditches 
And when I look at you, I see the faithfulness of God. He's filled the ditches with people. He's filled the ditches with nations. He's filled the ditches with students. He's filled the ditches with relationships all over the world. Because a guy that was not trained, a guy that was just simply a, a farmer that loved teaching, that wanted to be a school teacher, God said, no, I want you to be a pastor and I want you to be a leader. And God, how do I do it? He said, just dig ditches. Because I was at the point of no return. I really wanted to do something for God's kingdom. I didn't want to go back in all respect to my family. I knew I wasn't to be a farmer. And the truth is, I really was born in prosperity. And God said, there's something greater in, in my prosperity than in your prosperity. And if you trust me, I'll take you where your family will never take you. My granddad, who was one of the owners of the First National Bank of Harrisburg, came to me and he says, Johnny, this is nonsense about you going to school. So you just trust me. I'll see to it that you make more money than you ever would make as a teacher. And God said, you can trust your grandpa or you can trust me. And when I trusted God, my grandpa didn't take that well. My family didn't take it real well. In all due respect to a lot of the religious leaders, they didn't take it that well. But I started digging ditches in prayer. And God started filling them with water. Christ Center, we've been doing that now for 40 years. The elders would come together and we had nothing to do but to cry out, God, what are we going to do now? And he says, get on your faces and eat carpet. And don't get up until you hear from me. We had a church split. Most devastating thing I've ever gone through. Heard other pastors talk about it. I never thought I'd be a part of one. And when the church split, basically half the congregation left, half the students left, half the money left. We still had all the bills. We still had all the ministries. All these ministries that you saw up on the board today, you know, those were, those were just getting birthed. We had people on staff that left their jobs that were here. And the responsibility, I was just overwhelming. I was, oh, God, what are we going to do? So I called the elders to come together. And I said, okay, we're going to come together and we're going to pray until we hear God tell us how we're to cut and what we're to cut. Because obviously we have to cut. And I heard Noel Campbell say, 2 Kings 3, 2, start digging ditches in prayer. I'll fill them with water. And I can remember saying, God, I got to tell you, we're in trouble. And he said, John, you're never in trouble if you dig the ditches. Because I'll fill them with water. Now, if you don't want to dig the ditches, I can't fill them with water. So I got the elders, and we got on our faces that night. And I said, okay, you guys start hearing about what we cut. Ask God what we cut. And I'm on my face digging ditches in prayer. And God says, who are you to tell me what to cut? Did I tell you to cut? Have I not formed this body? Have I not brought all these people from 
from their pro professions to come on staff here with you. You think I'm going to abandon you, John? I said, well, what are we going to do? He said, you're going to dig ditches. You're going to trust me, 2 Kings 3, 2. And I will fill the ditches tomorrow. Now get this, John. I don't want you to talk about cutting. I want you to get up right now. I want you to proclaim to the elders, we're not going to cut one thing. We're going to add. Start praying about what we add. And Red, bless his heart, was my money guy. Not that I was getting money from Red, believe me. <laughs> but Red was in charge of making sure we had our bills paid. And I can never, I'll never forget it. He's lost his mind again. <laughs> Dan, Dan Myers and I put the budget together prayerfully. And both he and I slid out. But I knew one thing. I had heard him say, I, I think the question I asked, John, did you really hear God? He said, yes. Then, okay, we're in. But, the, well, that first one, whew, I thought this was the big one. <laughs> so did I. And so we stopped immediately when we were digging the ditches, and we stopped telling God how to fill the ditches, and we just dug the ditches, and we said, you fill them based upon what your heart is, not ours. And all of a sudden, students started coming to the school. People started applying for positions. Church started filling up. New musicians started coming. As Steve Shear said, it was electric. He's absolutely right, Steve. It was electric. It was fantastic. I'd come in here, and this place would be worshiping and praising God, and I would stand and go, oh, God, you're awesome. But it's like a good book. You don't want it to end, but there's a sequel to a good book, and the sequel is your next 40 years. Where are we going to go in the next 40 years? We'll only go and be as successful as the ditches are being dug. You stop digging ditches, he'll have nothing to fill. You start living on the past laurels of the 40 years, he has nothing to fill and all of a sudden, shovels will be sold. Missions will be ended. And you will become just another church. Oh, listen to me. Pastor Joshua. You got to come into this building at night and cry out to God. God, what am I going to do? And when you're not, if you, you don't become desperate then I'm telling you, we are dangerously becoming just another church. I just challenged pastor this morning. You want to hear it? I drove into town today, and I see that the old Baptist church is for sale. And God just spoke to my heart. Christ is supposed to buy that church. Christ is supposed to buy every property around here and become a campus, a big campus. 
Why? Because you're going to need to be. Unless you quit digging ditches. Buy and build. Expand. Invest. Dig more ditches. Buy, build, expand, go out, take nations, dig more ditches. Go for it. But we can't afford that building down there. It's only 150000 Come on, Red, let's go get it. Well, I'm sharing with you what it was like, but I'm also trusting I'm sharing with you what it's going to continue to be like. Digging ditches, not telling God how to fill them, but letting him fill them. Then the second scripture that God spoke to me in the very, very beginning, and I used it for all these years, <clears throat> comes out of Matthew, <clears throat> Matthew 14, 15 through 21. You know the story well. I know I'm preaching to the choir today. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have, here, we, have, uh, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And as they brought the little meager amount of food, they look out and they see 5,000 people. 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Different theologians felt that there was probably at least 15,000 people there. And they had three loaves, a few little loaves of bread and little, few little fish. And he says, you feed them. And he says, we can't feed them. He says, well, then bring it to me. And so they took the little bitty that they had and they gave it to the master, and he took it, he lifted it to the father, and then he blessed it, and then he broke it, and he distributed it. And when it was over, they brought some 11 baskets full of bread and fish back to the father, and they had all been fed. And God spoke to me, and he said, you can't afford to do the ministry I'm going to call you to do, but just bring to me what you have in your little lunchbox. You bring it to me, I will bless it, I will break it, and I'll distribute it. And when I'm finished, I'll bring back to you and give you the leftovers which all your people at Christ Center can eat. And that's been going on for 40 years. People ask me at different times, how can you afford to do everything you do? I says, because we have three, a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread, and we just give it to the Father, and he blesses it, and he breaks it, and he distributes it. What? And we just have a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish, and I, and he, I give it to him. 
and he lifts it to the Father. Father blesses it, then he breaks it and distributes it. And then he gives back what's left, and that's how we make it. And people many times have walked away shaking their heads. This guy's a lunatic. This guy's, what's he talking about? Do you know what I'm talking about, church? Are, are you with me? Are you hearing what God's saying? Take your little lunch boxes right now. Would you, would you take, take, take a little lunch box right now? Take your little lunch box right now. And in that little lunch box may very well be a broken marriage. May very well be broken hearts because the children have rebelled. Maybe, maybe they've wandered away. In that lunchbox, maybe houses are being repossessed. Lost our jobs, don't have the money, don't know what we're going to do. Up against it in that lunchbox. Listen, do this. If it's money, just, just open it up and give it to the Father. And then let him take it to the Father. Bless it. Break it distribute it, and let him multiply it to bring back to you what he wants to give you. Might be a marriage. Just take, take, the, take the bad part of it, the good, just take what's ever. You might open it up and you see this marriage that's molded. It's just, it smells, in fact. Just give it to him. Give it to him. Give, give him marriage. Don't, don't keep any. Just give it to him. Because when the disciples said, okay, here's all we've got, he said, that's all I need. That's all I, need. I, I didn't ask you for a com com complete 40-foot trailer of fish and a 40-foot trailer of bread. I just asked you, go get what you can and bring it to me. This is all we got. He said, that's all I need. Just give him that marriage. Give him your your bills, give him your children. Give him everything that's in that little, that little lunchbox that you're hanging on to because when you lose it, it's over. It, you don't have any more. And over and over again, I've come before the Lord. And I've said, Lord, according to your word, according to Matthew, it's also, Lord, recorded in the Gospels. That this is a humongous responsibility. It's going to take a lot of money. It's going to take a lot of energy. It's going to take something that I don't have. He says, then would you just bring me that little lunchbox and take out of it what you do have. A little bit of faith. Just give me all the faith you can, John. And give it to me. And I'll give you nations. And I'll bless my people. And I'll save the lost. And I'll heal the sick. Listen to me now very carefully because we're going to do this right now. Your little lunchbox again. Hold that little lunchbox up. In that lunchbox, sickness. In that lunchbox is an impo are impossible sicknesses, incurable sicknesses. Would you open up the little lunchbox and give it to him and let him take that incurable sickness because that's how healing happens. I don't have the power in John Bowers to heal you, but I've got the faith to lay hands on you and trust God to take the sickness, take it to the Father. The Father takes it, breaks it, 
multiplies it, distributes it back to you in health. And if, if you're sitting there saying, this is incurable, then do I need to go back and teach again out of Matthew? Yes, it was impossible. Yes, it's not going to happen. But God says, just give it to me anyway. And I love this scripture, and I love the sequence of this scripture, and we're going to end on this. See, just, just before this happened, John the Baptist's head was cut off and brought into a banquet hall. And the disciples came to Jesus, and they said they cut John's head off, Jesus. And Jesus says, okay, then you guys... Bear with me. I'm going to go to a desolate place. You know why Jesus did that? Because he had to go grieve. He had, he had to go talk to the Father about that. But he got to the mountain. He got away. And people saw him leaving. And the multitude started going after him. And the disciples then came. And after the miracle happened of the bread and the fishes, Jesus then said, okay, it's finished now. You all can go home. They went home fed. Jesus said to the disciples, now you guys get in the boat and go on back. I'm going to stay here a little bit because I haven't finished dealing with John. The disciples get in the boat and they go out about 3 in the morning. Big sea comes up. Big wind comes up. Man, they're in trouble. Here comes Jesus walking on the water. And that's when Peter walked on the water. All that happened within a matter of about 48 hours. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Impossibilities, impossibilities, impossibilities. Now catch this church. I'm guilty of this. I get to a place where I open up my middle box and I hand him a little soggy cheese sandwich. And he takes it and he breaks it and he blesses it and he breaks it and he distributes it and he brings back to me this glorious, glorious blessing. And I go, oh God, thank you. But then the next day, I got another little lunchbox. I got some more problems and I'm going, God, I don't know if I can do this again. What? Didn't I just show you how I work? I work like this all the time. And we get caught by the devil when he says, okay, okay, I'll give you one miracle, but you won't get two. You think you're really going to get healed? Are you serious? You think money's really going to come? Are you serious? Yes. 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 As long as you've got faith to open up the little lunchbox, give him what you've got in there, and he will bless it. Now, I got one minute <laughs> because I was given 24 minutes and I've got one minute. I'm going to milk it right to the end. <laughs> You've had enough time to know what's in that box that you need. And when you want to get a blessing, because we're going to open those boxes up, only you and God knows, you're going to start standing up with your box and do this. Remember, I only have probably 40 seconds. Did you hear me? When you know what you need, stand up with your little box.
Now take the other hand, reach over, and open it up. Now take it before the Lord, just you and him, and tell him, this is all I've got. Would you say it out loud so somebody can hear you? This is all I got. Would you take it and bless it? Would you break it and multiply it? And would you distribute it and bring me back what's left over? Amen.